it's a painful picture of, of isolation for immigrants. And what we need is people who want to cross that boundary so that that's not the story for the people that come here to the Triangle. So that, and who are going to be the people that will cross that boundary of social isolation, that marginalization that immigrants experience? Well, it should be, the, it should be Christians. It should be people following Jesus because Jesus would lead people right past that boundary. Welcome, everybody, to our What's the Point podcast. This is season two, our very first episode of season two. I'm Pastor Lawrence Yu, and I'm so excited to be joined today by two wonderful guests from World Relief. Um, this is a group that we've been partnering as a church with for a very long time, and so we're privileged to have them here with our very first episode of season two. So I'll let them introduce themselves. Hey, I'm Adam Clark. I'm the director of the Triangle Office for World Relief, and really excited to be here and see y'all. Yeah, and I'm Tremaine Manson. I'm the Community Engagement Manager uh, for World Relief here in the Triangle area. And I started in uh, March of 2021, so excited to be a part of World Relief and excited to uh, join you all today. Well, most of you um, already listening probably already know a little bit about World Relief, um, but you might not know what's going on lately. Um, we've been kind of, um, not for all, or intentionally, but we've been a little bit of separation because of COVID and mm -hmm. circumstances with administrations yeah. and different things have kept us from not being able to work as closely with World Relief as we'd like to in the past. Um, but there's also people who are listening who don't really know much about World Relief. So if you guys don't mind, could you start off by sharing with us, what is World Relief? What are you guys about? What do you do? What's your heart and mission? Yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, and great to kind of digitally meet many of you. I look forward to meeting you, uh, many of you face to face soon. Uh, World Relief got started in the 40s um, as a, a bunch of churches basically raised money to help war-torn Europe after World War II. Mm -hmm. And they made the War Relief Fund. And the War Relief Fund became World Relief over the years. That mission has just matured and grown uh, to become a global Christian NGO. We involve the church in everything that we do in whatever country we work in. And um, that's been over 100 countries serving over 100 million people in the last 75 years. So. Uh, really excited to be part of that big story, and our small chapter here in the Triangle started in 2007 when we founded this office. I love that. I actually didn't know that history. I didn't know that it was founded in 1940s for that purpose. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. So your purpose now, specifically your chapter, or if you call it chapter, your chapter here, Yeah, yeah. what is your specific purpose here locally, and what do you guys mainly do? Yeah. I mean, World Relief's mission statement is to empower the church to serve the most vulnerable. And that continues to be a common thread no matter what country you're looking at World Relief's work in. And um, we would add community, too, because we need the church and we need other members of the community as well to really serve immigrants well. And we want to um, integrate and connect everybody in relationship. I think it's a great witness uh, for, for everybody to see that Christians are actively engaged in the public square in the lives of immigrants and um, reaching across those boundaries that not others often reach across just like the, the gospel does that. It's a, it's a boundary crossing gospel. Mm -hmm. uh, so we see it as a, a great reflection of God's love and um, the kind of mission that God has for us in Christ in the world. And uh, what that means locally for us is we resettle refugees. We help them, uh, we help immigrants with immigration legal services. And we also work right inside the Durham public school system with immigrant youth and their families. So Anywhere immigrants are in the community, we want to be there. We want to serve their needs. We want to be led by uh, their input, and we want to connect churches and, and folks from the community to them in relationship. I love that. I love that, yeah. and specifically the empower churches. 
I love that connection you have. I mean, I know that's part of your position here. What does that look like for you? What does that mean for you when you, the idea of empowering churches? What does that look like um, as you kind of how we're really part of churches? What does that look like for you? Yeah, so um, I would say there's uh, three primary ways in which we seek to um, have the you know churches of this area engaged in the work of world relief. Um, one, which is one that most, uh, you know, many folks in the area who are familiar with World Relief may know about is our volunteer opportunities. Um, so we, you know, we look for churches to help us to be able to serve um, immigrants and refugees. And, and really what we want to see happen is that, you know, just and welcoming communities are formed here for folks who, um, you know, who find themselves here through um, immigration. And so we ask churches to partner with us to you know, serve some of the needs of, of, of refugees. Uh, one of those is um, through what we call welcome teams, um, where folks will show up um, at the airport when immigrants uh, and where refugees show up and, and, you know, with signs and balloons, welcome to this area and then help folks get to, you know, their, their new homes. Um, the second way um, that we, we ask for folks to, to um, engage in our work is through what we call apartment setups. And so there's, you know, when folks are coming, they need, you know, I <laughs> have a place to stay. And so we ask for folks in the church to be willing to come in and, and help to set up apartments so that when folks get here, you know, that's something that they don't have to think about. They're, you know, able to, to begin settling in. And then uh, good neighbor teams, which is something that I know, you know, folks uh, in your church have been engaged with. We actually have an active good neighbor team right now uh, for a family that came uh, about a month or so ago, um, where we ask for folks for, for six months to walk alongside uh, a refugee family uh, to help them to get acclimated and to make the transition well. You know, early on, that could be helping them to get to doctor's appointments, helping them sign their kids up for school. But certainly over time, we want there to be a friendship and a relationship formed um, um, that uh, that really helps uh, those refugees to feel connected and integrated well into the community. So those are some primary ways in which, um, from a volunteering standpoint, we ask churches to be engaged. Um, as Adam was saying, we also have with our youth services um, some opportunities within the public schools to be able to, to tutor or to mentor um, immigrant and refugee youth. And so those are some opportunities that we have. And so that's one way. Um, as far as volunteering that we ask churches and church members to be involved. Um, we also have what we call church um, engagement and mobilization. And, and what we mean by that, or at least when I'm engaging in that work, is that um, informing pastors and um, church members um, of some of the, the issues that are uh, involved or that involve refugees and immigrants in our community. Um, so that they can be advocates for those populations within the community. So, you know, letting pastors know about what refugees are facing, what immigrants are facing in this community, so that as they're praying, as they're seeking to get their uh, congregation engaged um, in uh, forming relationships with refugees and immigrants, that they know the issues that those folks are facing to be able to pray, to be able to advocate on their behalf. And so that's the, the second way. And then the third way I would say is through, um, through investing in the work of world relief, through, um, you know, whether it's a financial investment um, or making donations, you know, like I said before about like with the apartments or with students who are going back to school, being able to make donations to help, you know, with those types of needs. Um, and so, yeah, th those through 
volunteering, through church engagement, and through, through making investments are the ways in which we seek to engage the church in the work of world relief. And like I said before, to really begin to build those just and welcoming communities for families and refugees. I love the fact that, yeah, you're empowering churches to do the work. So it's not just, hey, we're world relief, we're going to do everything, you just give us the money. You actually empower, you train, you teach, um, you help others. Um, you, you mentioned Good Neighbor Team for six months, right? My Good Neighbor Team, we're going on six years now. Yeah, praise God. And yeah. <laughs> we awesome. don't call them, we're not Good Neighbor Teams, we're just family together exactly. now. Yeah. Yeah. And so that our family, uh, together with us, we've been together for over six years now. But yeah. we started off as a Good Neighbor Team, mm-hmm. as a family that's members of Waypoint Church now, and we are in close community together. So it's so much more. There's so many opportunities that we thank you, World Relief, for actually providing. Yeah. But that's, for me, a highlight. In my experience with World Relief, we have so many highlights. But for me, one of my experiences with World Relief that's a highlight for me is you know, there's this family that I got to meet at the airport. Our, my group, small group, got to furnish their apartment, got to live life with them, and it hasn't been six months. It's been six years now. Mm-hmm. And that whole family of eight is, is basically my family now. Yeah. So it's been a wonderful blessing that I got to receive through becoming being a good neighbor team. Yeah, and that's what we hope to see happen. You know, from a world relief standpoint, when we, you know, when you come to a volunteer orientation, which I know we'll talk about, we'll say, hey, we really want you to commit to six months walking alongside a family. But our hope and our prayer is that, you know, that six months blows by and like why would we stop now right. we're family we know them we're they're a part of our community and so this is going to continue beyond that and like you said it's not as formalized as a work at neighbor team but it becomes like you said they're family they're a part of us and so um it only makes sense for us to continue this relationship so that's good well that's good we we, we appreciate that and appreciate the ability to connect the churches with that yeah. now adam we know that for the past two years covid has happened or not quite two years, a year and a half. COVID yep. has been there. has been kind of prevented a, kind of a separation of people, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's put a, a damper on resettlement and working this kind of work. What's next? What's what's in store for World Relief Durham? Where are you guys going? What's what do you guys? What are your next moves that yeah. you see ahead of you? Absolutely. Yeah, um, definitely. The, the this pandemic has really changed the landscape of our work. Uh, we've been very grateful to churches for adapting with us because what we saw, you know, a drop in, you know, for example, face-to-face volunteer opportunities, but we had a ton of people volunteer to deliver groceries, to pray for people, to call them instead of, you know, meet to, we, you know, got a lot more WhatsApp chats and Instagram chats and FaceTime calls between volunteers and folks that there was a lot of adaptation to do and we were, we were proud that the church, capital C, didn't just kind of forget its connection with immigrants and refugees during that period, but they, they committed. That's the kind of relationship we want to see is that, okay, well, these are our neighbors. These are our loved ones. These are the kids that our kids are going to school with. These are our kids. And so um, we just appreciate that. It was, it was a tough year and a half plus and continues to be. But um, in the, the ways that we're adapting, I think are going to be taking some of the gleanings that we've learned over the last year and a half and adding them to, to all the, the kind of the old stuff, the good old relationship connections that we were able to do prior to COVID and, and kind of just be World Relief uh, Durham 2.0 in, in that sense. So, you know, we're going to continue to have tutoring opportunities for members of your church and other churches to meet in relationship with kids in school, to be partnered with new families, um, you know, to... Uh, to support and advocate for immigration legal services, all those things that we've we've done, 
We also have virtual tutoring now. We have some virtual opportunities that are going to kind of be worked into the fabric of what we do. So even if you are um, someone who is, uh, you know, stuck at home for whatever reason, um, you know, for schedule or health reasons, there are opportunities for you to get involved. And I think that's, so that's going to be a great way that I think we'll come out of this a little stronger. Um, yeah, I mean, one thing going back to what Tremaine was talking about earlier, though, it really stuck with me about what, why we need the church in this work. Um, if you watch the, um, the documentary, When God Grew Tired of Us, it's a sad-sounding uh, documentary about the lost boys from Sudan, now South Sudan. Um, it's a great documentary. I recommend it to you, but it follows a family of, of refugees or a group of refugees, young men, that come from, uh, you know, they start at the, at the refugee camp and it kind of shows their whole journey coming to the United States, their first few days, their first few weeks. Uh, they're excited. Um, they just feel like they've won the lottery. They're getting to get out of the camp, get to a safe place where there's going to be education and jobs and um, safety, primarily safety. Then they come back a year later and they visit with those same young men to see how they're doing. And it's a completely different vibe. The, the, the mood of the documentary completely changes. Yes, they have housing. Yes, they have jobs. Yes, they know how to navigate the bus. And in that sense, quote unquote, refugee resettlement was successful, at least in the government kind of checklist sense. But they are lonely. They are isolated. They talk about... Um, Americans just not being friendly. They're used to being able to go up to strangers' doors and ask for directions or connect with their neighbors, and people call the police on them when they go to their you know, neighbors' homes just to meet them. Uh, it's, it's a painful picture of, of isolation for immigrants. And what we need is people who want to cross that boundary so that that's not the story for the people that come here to the Triangle. So that, and who are going to be the people that will cross that boundary of social isolation, that marginalization, that immigrants experience. Well, it should be, the, it should be Christians. It should be people following Jesus because Jesus would lead people right past that boundary. And so that's why we're calling you, you know, to back out in, in big numbers, we hope, as, as refugee numbers increase. Um, and we're able to re-engage in those physical, you know, face-to-face -face relationships, sort of volunteering uh, scenarios. But we need, we need the church to, to cross that boundary. And I think it's a beautiful part of the gospel that we get to be a part of. You sold me. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I absolutely love that. That that what you just shared with me. That was actually gonna be my next question is why refugee, why immigrant? Yeah. And you just answered it in regards to their experience, the the vulnerable because I remember the in the mission statement you said the vulnerable, right? Yep. And they often fit into that code category of vulnerable. Yeah. So I love that. I love that picture you just painted of that. Um man, that's that's incredible. That's it's moving and you know, I desperately want our people to be more and more um be the be, be in the process of being welcoming, loving community. You know, if the Christians aren't going to do it, who will, you know? So I hope that's what we that moves us as Christians to do this. I, yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. If you don't mind, um, you mentioned, you made a statement like, as we get more, or as, as you made that statement, as the refugee cap possibly is going up. Mm -hmm. Do you see that being something that's going to happen? And how soon do you think that'll happen? Yeah. And, and please explain also, for people don't know what I mean by the refugee cap. Yeah. Uh, the President of the United States decides every year how many people fleeing persecution will be welcomed into our country uh, as refugees. And the historic average of that number has been about 95,000. It sounds like a lot of people, but um, when, it, when you look at the size of our country, it's still a really small number, um, considering that they're getting close to 30 million refugees in the world today. And so the vast majority will not be resettled anywhere. 
Uh, but it's a privilege to get to be a part of some of their lives when they do come here. Uh, when we say refugees, we mean persecuted people who've, who've kind of had that uh, persecution verified by the United Nations. So that's the folks coming through that part of our program services. Um, but yeah, the cap is higher now. Um, the past few years in the previous administration really slowed down the process for um, screening and bringing refugees over. And as that process um, begins to rebuild, we'll see numbers increase. Our office has probably got half a dozen families right now booked to travel. Uh, and that's probably more than the whole previous year. Wow. And so, so the pace you know, isn't where we want it to be as a country yet, but it's already picking up. And so we already have opportunities for folks to get involved. Like Tremaine said, we've already got um, you know, good neighbor teams getting connected right now and other teams from churches. So. So, Tremaine, we talk about being involved, churches getting involved. So you specifically mentioned um, being a good neighbor teams, um, donations. You mentioned um, setup teams, all this kind of stuff. What's the best way for somebody? Let's just say you're listening to this podcast and you're like, okay, I want to donate something. I want to financially or my, my whole apartment or um, I want to be connected. You know, not necessarily through the church, but on my own. What, what should they do? Yeah, so we... Um we would ask that you know if someone is wanting to get engaged, um, certainly they can reach out to us directly. You know they can email. We we actually just recently hired a um, volunteer coordinator. Um, her name's Calabria Calabria Lemire, and so um, they can reach out to her, Lemire at wr.org. But we will be having a volunteer orientation here um, at, at Waypoint, Waypoint yeah. on um, August 28th. And so Calabria will be there. She'll be, um, you know, handling the orientation. I'll, myself, I'll be there as well. And so certainly that's an opportunity where you can come, you can learn about the work that World Relief's doing, what we're doing right here in the Triangle, and what your next steps would be to be engaged in any of the things that you were mentioning, whether it's, oh, I, I want to set up an apartment, I want to, you know, welcome them when they get to the airport, I want to be a good neighbor team, I want to do all of that stuff, or I want to tutor or mentor all of the opportunities that we have to get engaged. I want to be able to, you know, donate some some items, or I want to be able to give financially. All of that will be a part of the volunteer orientation that's on the 28th. But, but if you're chomping at the bit um, and want to reach out to us, we can, you know, certainly um, answer any questions that you have or get you in that process, going in that process um, as well. And I do want to mention um, just quickly that Joy McHale, um, she, we have been, I've been in communication with her um, over the last month or so. So she's a great resource if you want to get um, engaged and say, hey, you know, I heard about World Relief through the podcast or from other folks in the church talking about it. Um, how can I get involved? And Joy could be a great, or will, is a great resource for you to be able to know what your next step could be. So Wonderful. Yes. August 28th, 10 o'clock, Saturday, Waypoint Church, just show up in numbers. Let's Let's be trained up. Let's be about the business that God's called us to. Um, I'm excited to see all of you guys come out for this and for this training. Mm -hmm. um, I, most of you guys maybe listening to this remember that back in the day, every one of our small groups was a good neighbor team. Yeah. And so we were a very small church at that time, but we had the most good neighbor teams yeah. out of any church. We didn't know. We, we couldn't tell you were small. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all showed up. And so um, let's do that. I mean, that, well, that's what an exciting opportunity that we have as a church 
to be able to do that. So let's show up to that trading event. Um, in the meantime, Adam, if you don't mind, is there any like highlight stories or highlights that you have in the past couple of years or yeah. recently that you want to share? Would love to share with us. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of uh, some of our clients who some of you all have helped or other area churches have just seen great change in since they arrived. Um, we had a young lady named Aileen. There's a story in a recent uh, newsletter of ours about her. But she went through our mentorship program for a year, um, was just really struggling with where to go in her life, what to do post-graduation, didn't have a lot of um, community network of support. And volunteers from churches were that for her. The mentorship program helped um, provide her that guidance, and they were able to get her pretty much a full ride to nursing school. Was that a full Mm -hmm. ride? That was awesome. So it was just like, um, just great. You know, not every story is like that, but those stories remind us that, you know, it's just what the Statue of Liberty is all about, really. You know, it's exciting to see it happen and see someone's life change and um, be able to see the the value of a mentor in her life, you know, that came from a local church that was paired with her and um, just able to step into a really vulnerable and scary period of a person's life when they're trying to make these huge decisions, um, still kind of figuring out how to be in the United States and what, what are the, you know, how do you, how do you graduate and move on here? It's so different from where they've come from. So I'm just really grateful for that. And I'm just really excited that you know, one of the highlights has been the youth program. You know, during the the past the previous administration, that's when we started the the youth program because we said, well, you know, refugee new arrival numbers are going down, but the number of immigrants in our community is was has been growing for years and years, and did not stop uh, growing uh, during the last few years at all. So, churches were a huge reason why we were able to fund and create and provide tutoring for this whole youth program uh, that's now kind of a a set piece that we'll keep for years. Durham Public Schools loves us. The ESL program is the director of Durham Public Schools, ESL. We're probably on the phone with her every other day. Uh, She's just saying, hey, can you all get some folks from one of your churches to go to this school? We need tutoring or there's a new group of, you know, Iraqi kids at this school and they're really isolated. What can you help us with? So just an honor to be a part of that conversation and to be able to also bring the church to that table um, in that conversation and stuff, be invited by the public school system into that space. That's been a, a huge joy. That's beautiful. It resonates yeah. in my heart. I'm a child of immigrants. My wife immigrated here herself when she was four or five years old. So um, for me, it speaks, you know, what you guys are doing echoes my heart and tugs at my heartstrings and it speaks to me because we, I know what it's like, you know, in a lot of these circumstances. And, and so what a beautiful thing that you guys are doing. I really appreciate that. Um, when it comes down to um, the what you see as, as like, what could the future hold? Like, mm-hmm. what, when you dream about this area and churches, mm-hmm. what could it be? What could it look like? What do you see? What, what else do you see happening? What do you want to see happen? Mm-hmm. What do you dream for? Yeah, so um, for me... Uh, and hopefully, yeah, again, through the work of World Relief, um, what I would envision is that um, that immigrants, refugees, and the church are all seen as valuable, contributing, uh, vital parts of the community. And, um, and so, you know, my hope is that as the church is engaging with refugees and immigrants, that, the, you know, there's certainly this sense in which they come 
here with a lot of needs, you know, you know, just needing to learn how to acclimate to this, you know, our culture here and, you know, all of the different facets of that that they have to navigate. So they, they do come in a, a vulnerable state. Um, but my hope is that through those relationships with the church, that it becomes more of a, there's a mutuality there. And so it's not so much that, hey, we've, you know, welcomed you to our community, which is valuable in and of itself, but it becomes a point where our community wouldn't be what it is without you in it. Mm-hmm. And we value your contribution and your presence in our community. And I think that the church can be a great place where that level of relationship and mutuality um, can take place because again, we tr- we believe as Christians that we're all made in the image of God. We all have dignity and value and we all have something that God has placed in us that he wants to bless the world with. And so, you know, we believe the same thing for the refugees and immigrants that come to our community. They're, you know, we're all made in the image of God. We all have something to contribute that God has given us. And I think the church can be a place where, and the people in the church can be a place where that is encouraged and we, we can draw that out of, of everyone in the community so that it becomes a place where we're all seen as valuable, contributing, um, vital members of our community. So that's the vision. I hope that the nice. work that World Relief and that we do leads us in that direction. That's a beautiful vision. I love that. Yeah, it's a great question. My mind goes in so many directions and so many things I'd love to see. But, um, you know, along the lines of what Tremaine is talking about, we've had years now where our connection with churches has declined. You know, six and a half years ago when I started, we had over 200 churches that were contacting us in a given year. And, you know, some of those were just asking for small things like, hey, we'd like to donate a couch. Others, you know, like y'all, tons of teams getting involved. But we had so many connections uh, to churches and just the last few years have eroded the number of opportunities that we've been able to offer to churches. And so now when those opportunities are coming back, um, my, my hope and my prayer and our vision is that the church re-engage and that the church be there. Because there's a big question mark all over the country right now is to say, are volunteers going to show back up? Mm-hmm. Because not only during the previous administration were there just fewer opportunities to kind of get those muscles working, to connect in relationship with refugees, but during the pandemic, um, everyone's been isolated. And, right. and national trends are showing that um, there's a drop in, in volunteering in general. Uh, people are tired. People are beat up. Their families have been struggling for for a year and a half dealing with this pandemic, and very understandable. But I, I think back to that documentary of the Lost Boys and the hundreds of people like them that will be coming to the Triangle this year through our office, and I want them to, every single one of them, to be connected in relationship to somebody who stepped forward from a church that said, I care, and that's part of the gospel for me to care, and I'm going to step out of my comfort zone if it is out of my comfort zone because that's where the gospel leads me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to serve um, this person because I think I can get something from it, mm-hmm. but because it's the right thing to do, that's and that's, that's someone that God made, you know? That's great. And so I hope that in a year or two we're looking back and saying, you know what, we weren't sure if the churches were still going to be there, but they were. They were, and they came back, and we didn't have to tell a lot of refugees, I'm sorry, there's no volunteer for you. I'm sorry, there's no, there's no team to support you. Sorry, there's no one that, that raised their hand and said they wanted to show up and connect in a relationship with you. You know, mm-hmm. that's tough because uh, they, they, they talk, you know, and they, their neighbors say, hey, I got a team. You know, I have a, a whole team from this church that came to connect with me. And, and other families don't get that support and that connection. Right. So I hope that, that we can do that. 
that's good. Yeah. That's real good. I, I hear that, and I would love for us to be a part of that solution. Yeah. I love that. I, that to me, yeah. that's just so beautiful. Yeah. And I love how it's a gospel that compels us, and it's a gospel message that's being conveyed by crossing boundaries, exactly. by welcoming, by loving, by sacrificially loving. Mm-hmm. I think it's beautiful. Um, I love that vision. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to see that happening. Yeah, I think and it will. One of the things I want to tell our people, I know it's been a hard year and a half. COVID's been difficult. I know it's, it's been, you're still processing, you're healing. It's been difficult. But can I tell you one of the most healing things that you can do for yourself is to serve and love others. Mm-hmm. I know it takes energy, it takes effort, but that does bring healing to yourself. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's in the pouring out of yourself that you really, honestly, often receive so much more pouring into you, so much more grace that flows into you. So encourage you, our people, even though it's, it's been a tiring year, even though it's been hard, to, I challenge you to, to pour yourself out and see how much you get poured into you know, yep. so um, one of the things I wanted to ask real quick is how can we, how can we champion, how can we advocate, how can we, uh, what were the things that we can do as people individually and as church, or church leaders, or as people in the community, um, to to raise awareness, to do, raise support, whatever it may be, what can we do? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think um, I mean, there's any number of things, but a couple of things I would highlight is, you know, one to be ed- you know educated on issues of you know that immigrants and refugees face on the whole process one of the things for me you know in my previous position I was at a church where we worked with world relief and even in that capacity I didn't have a, a as much of an understanding of even the refugee process as I do certainly now being a part of world relief but thinking man if I had realized that I could have been one who was, you know, combating some of the the myths or misinformation about, you know, refugees and the refugee process, and so, um, so yeah, so finding ways to educate yourself on, the, you know, issues that refugees and immigrants face in the process and all of that, and then I think, you know, just being a voice for those when you're, you know, in your own, uh, you know, community, whether it's your small groups, whether you know, whatever community groups you find yourselves in. You know, when conversations around immigration, you know, happen, which, you know, often do because it's such a pressing issue in our society and certainly even in our community here to be able to voice and say, hey, did you know that, you know, refugees actually have to be vetted very, you know, um, strictly before they're even, you know, their names are even put up to be to come to America, that it's not just, hey, I want, I'm a refugee and they put you on a plane, that they're, you know, that the process could take three to five years and, you know, those types of things. And, you know, um, I think it's just helpful for people to, you know, gain more awareness. And I think that's a, a, a way we can advocate for for um, immigrants and refugees in our community. And then also just being, like we've talked about here, just having a, you know open mind and open heart. Um, there's so many different stories or things being said out there about the immigration um, process and immigrants in our you know, nation and our community. But again, as Christians, to, to, to be willing to step back from that and say, okay, I'm, I know there's a lot being said out there. I'm gonna step back. And what does the you know Lord in this situation call me to? Mm-hmm. Um, does He call me to engage? Is He calling me to become more aware, to be an advocate for those who are you know find themselves on the margins a lot of times because of the way in which they're being spoken of or treated in our in our society? And um, and I think if folks are willing to do that, then they can you know be a part of when I talk about that welcoming and just communities that they can begin to be a part of that for our immigrant and refugee population. So. 
Definitely. Yeah, I, I completely agree and echo everything Shemay just said. And it just reminds me, you know, to that education point that you bring up. It's one of the most important things we can do as Christians is educate ourselves about what Scripture says mm-hmm. about the stranger in our yeah. midst. It's very biblical. It, it's shocking that I went so long in my life as a Christian until I had this job. Uh, I started working in this field anyway. I never really saw that theme throughout Scripture, but it's everywhere in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, educate yourselves about that. If you need help with that, we have a new virtual training platform. You can watch free modules for just what does Scripture say about welcoming the stranger. We've got you know, something you can watch from your own you know, phone or safety of your own couch. Um, but it, it's an easy way to start getting your hands on that. What does Scripture say? What does God say about this topic? And uh, Welcoming the Stranger, the book, that's a World Relief book. Check it out. Uh, we also just had the honor of uh, organizing another uh, book project locally. Um, it's basically a, a group of pastors and scholars and Christian leaders from across the country, as well as immigrants and refugees themselves, came together to, to write a book that, that kind of addresses the question of how should you meet me in relationship? If you're someone who's never met a, an immigrant in relationship and you are a Christian that wants to reach out to them, what is a healthy relationship? What is a healthy encounter between the average person from a church and a new immigrant look like? And um, so No Longer Strangers is the title of that book. It's also available on Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. So shameless plug there for that book. But plug away. Um, yeah, yeah. This Welcoming the Stranger or No Longer Strangers. I believe um, we have both resources. in our library here. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. So this is a great place to start just to educate yourselves and educate the church about what God is calling us to do. That's yeah. great. Yeah. If you don't mind, actually, I heard you say a kind of a uh, kind of re- rebu- re- rebuking or kind of re- going against certain preconceived notions that people have or misinformation that people have. Do you guys have any of those like top two or three like misinformation that's out there or things mm-hmm. that are wrong that people often think or believe yeah. or whatever it may be? Yeah, I know for, for me, I don't know if this is top one or two that we're relief <laughs> finds, but I know for, for me personally before in, begin really engaging in this work, one is the this uh, tendency to group all immigrants together. And certainly all immigrants are made in the image of God and all, you know, like I said, have inherent dignity and value and worth. So. Um, that should go without question. But, you know, often the rhetoric will say, you know, immigrants and refugees, oh, they're, you know, when people say, oh, you know, some of the rhetoric of there's, you know, storming our borders and coming over, all immigrants, refugees, asylum seekers, all of them get lumped in that group. And so whenever you start talking about, say, refugees specifically, people will think, oh, they're, you know, invading the country, um, that kind of thing. And so um, so that's one for me is that, like, there's actually different ways in which people enter into the country mm-hmm. and that many of those ways are, you know, perfectly legal, <laughs> you know, asylum seekers, refugees, you know, and there's a process that they have to, you know, go through to be, be a part, you know, to be legally in this country. And so... You know, to group all of them together is unfair. Um, again, there's certainly issues. You know, with the there's issues around you know the border right now and things like that. And and I don't say any of this to disparage those who, you know, many of them for the same reasons that people become refugees are coming to our country and trying to find a way in um, any way that they can. Um, so, but I've noticed that 
there's just even when I talk about refugees with people in the community that I oh yeah they talk about they start talking about issues at the border and it's like those are important issues that we need to talk about but the refugee issues are different than that and so I think that that's one of the things that people just you, they think any type of immigrant they're all you know in the same but all trying to do the same come in the same way issues are exactly the same and it's like no the issues are different depending upon how folks are you know proceeding with um our, with arriving in the country so so that's a big one for, for me i don't yeah. know if that rises to top one or two that world relief tends to find yeah, um i mean that's definitely yeah that's that's one of them is just helping people understand the different ways that people come here mm-hmm. and the different ways we can engage them in relationship yeah. it may be different depending on how they got here um it used to be that security was a lot of question, you know, a question maybe five, six years ago that we had a lot of questions about, is the refugee program safe? Right. Um, is, is that okay for folks to come over? Um, how are they being screened? I think that's a common question, and it's a totally legitimate question. It's a valid question. It has a very good answer, though. I'm, it's one that, like, there's like, yes, such good that. statistics. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, go ahead and ask that one yeah. because yeah. that is a very valid question. Um, I wouldn't be working in this field. I wouldn't have been working here for so long if I felt like it wasn't safe if, if um, and if the statistics didn't back it up it's, it's we have it's an it's like the safest program <laughs> yeah on, on record I mean really it's just got such a fantastic record that's um, it's easy to defend in that sense but it's a good question to ask and not everybody has that information mm-hmm. like another one um, is economic a lot of people will say and this is kind of goes back all the way through US history uh, when it comes to the topic of immigrants are they gonna take our jobs are they gonna affect the economy mm-hmm. in a negative way and there again, I'll, despite the controversy, there's a really, really encouraging body of, uh, of economic studies in academia just to show that by and large, immigration positively affects the economies the, right. the, in developed nations where they're coming. So, and uh, that continues to be the case here in the U.S. And in fact, we're going to be hitting a labor shortage in, right. in the future uh, if, we, if we don't get our immigration system that's healthy. Mention, yeah. <laughs> so. Not to mention we're not going to have any children. Yeah, yeah. Immigration. Yeah, because our birth rates are so radically low. Yeah, so it's healthy for everyone, and there's there has been and continues to be a really safe way to do it. We wouldn't have a giant statue as one of the symbols of our country if that wasn't the case. That's right. That's good, guys. Thank you so much for sharing your heart and what it is you're doing. We're as a church know that we're praying for world relief consistently. Thank you. Uh, We value our partnership with all of you and. Uh, we look forward to what God is going to do in the future, and just know that um, we support you guys, and so we, we really appreciate all that you guys are doing. Are there yeah. any last words you'd like to share to our people? We just love Waypoint. Yeah, it's great to be here. Great to see you all again. Can't wait to meet some of the new folks and see old faces. And yeah, yeah absolutely. For I'm looking forward to being here on the 28th and and meeting the folks here at Waypoint. Um, like I said, there's already like right now there's an active Good Neighbor team, so we know that this is part of the heartbeat of Waypoint. So we're really excited as you know as churches are opening back up and you know looking for ways to to um, be engaged in the community. You know, Waypoint is one of those uh, kind of banner churches that we're able to point to and say here you know you can look to them for ways in which you could be engaged in this work in a healthy way so thank you we thank you for that we thank you for all the work you're doing waypoint church i encourage you guys be there august 28th for the orientation volunteer training uh let's be continue to be in prayer and doing lots of work that god's called us to what incredible way that god's allowed us privileged us to see his kingdom advance by sharing the gospel by being a loving community and welcoming community to people 
So we just thank God for these opportunities, Waypoint Church. I hope you're having a great day, and I hope you enjoy this podcast and look forward to the next one. God bless you.